Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. We we have a great section of the book today. We are dealing with curses and witchery and, you know, all that good juicy stuff. And we also have a brand new special guest for the first time what is in up? several years, maybe. So uh, stick around. <laughs> that carter wrote in our outline welcome from erica's collegiate improv group jake and i want to is that wrong that i'm jake. sorry i just made random assumptions no, you're really <laughs> not that wrong. jake mm-hmm. you you're a percy jackson fan do you want to tell us about <laughs> your first experience getting into these books your background with yes. percy jackson yeah this is this is cool because i actually i've grown to kind of like this story more of how i kind of got into percy jackson (laughs) i realized today when i was like you know think about all this stuff it was 10 years ago i was 12 years old when i read percy jackson i started it kind of later i think for most people i think people actually a lot of people have met read them in elementary school but i my grandfather my i call him my boopa my boopa but uh (laughs) he's really into reading he reads like everything right like harry potter all sorts of stuff and he put me on to percy jackson he was like I have this book series that I read that I think you'd really like. And so he gave me my first Percy Jackson book. And it wasn't hardcover. It was like, it was like, just like a paperback. Yeah. Paperback (laughs) copy of Percy Jackson, which is now beat up, which I am not one to beat up my books. Like these books are like, if everything else in my house burned down, I just had this, like I would be okay. And I kid you not when I say that. But um, he put me onto this series. And at the time I was like, I'd started reading like the Hunger Games. And you know, when you're a kid, you're like, you think these rules exist that don't really exist. So I'm like, I can't read two books at once. I have to pick one. <laughs> and I picked Percy Jackson and I literally never regret that decision for the rest of my life. It was actually the, <laughs> the best thing I ever did. And nice. I started reading those books and it, was just incredible it was like i'll be honest with you guys percy jackson is the jake sweat blueprint so it, that was my personality i was just percy jackson because he was just so so sick and i think what really kind of like got me about him compared to so many like you know young coming of age sort of uh heroes or protagonists you know a lot of stories at that age you know it's all about like underdogs you know like underdogs are kind of yeah. like the big thing being like the 12 year old trying to like fight back against whatever it is but uh so much of the time these underdogs have to be like afraid and like scared and like from the jump from the start Percy Jackson took took uh, a bad word from nobody from zero people <laughs> You can, you can say like okay. you want. I, I don't want to cuss. I, I don't know if you guys. He really took zero BS from anybody, and it was before he was even knew he was a demigod. And it was just super sick. And from there, I kind of like launched into this series that changed my life. I'm obsessed. Like I literally am obsessed. It's probably the one thing in my life I'm obsessed with more than film. I mean, you're a Dune stan, Jake. I am. I am as well. That is new. (laughs) That is new. But understand that every other main character that I like is just some other version of Percy Jackson. It's just an (laughs) alternate. It's just how it goes. And like, you know, it's how you see yourself. It's how it's who I am. That's how we all see ourselves. Just all Percy Jackson variants. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. At a certain point, you realize you're running out, and you're like, I gotta savor this. And I really yes. savored it. I took a long time yes. of, like, reading those books. I only read Heroes of Olympus at my grandparents' house when I would go there, because it was, like, my comfort zone. I knew that, like, literally nothing could disrupt the peace that I would have here, because if anyone tries to come in between me and this book, I'm gonna tear their eyes out. But uh, Rick Riordan's ability to world build, because that's really, I think, what captivates me a lot with a lot of stories nowadays, too, is, like, if you can make a universe or a world that exists without the main character's story being there, it can really kind of take on a life of its own, which was really cool. But, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) You just said so many wonderful things. I sort of wait too much. No, No, this is good. We've it's been a minute since a guest has come on and just like gushed in this way. Yeah, and a lot of people don't want to share personal details, so we really appreciate (laughs) that. You guys got me going off for real. I could, I feel like there's so much, there's so much. (laughs) I was just gonna say, like, we've had so many people. I mean, we ourselves, people on the show who are like, oh, Annabeth, like my queen, like my icon, my blueprint, Mm -hmm. like my hero. (laughs) But I, I have to. I don't think we've ever had any guest be like 
Percy Jack. Like I wanted to be Percy Jackson, <laughs> like specifically. Are you, you know? kidding? Like who wouldn't want to be Percy Jackson? He's the best. Like, yeah. I, I appreciate the perspective and like the niche filling that you were bringing <laughs> yeah. to the table. I, I think it's like written all over me, to be honest. I really do. <laughs> like I literally live my life. I'm like, what would Percy do in college? I'm like, yeah, that's probably what I would do. Major in marine biology. That sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's I what actually you did. have a yeah. hot take about that, and I do not think that is what would happen but i guess i haven't gotten into trials of apollo so possibly that is the face of it i i need to read those books so what do you think percy would major in i'm curious i, I want to hear i just think like his and i think this goes for a lot of demigods i think their personality ventures further out than just who their godly mm-hmm. parent is you know like there and i think like one of the best things about these books about this is like it really gets into that like there's so many characters who kind of steer o- almost differently than where like maybe their godly parent would take them. And I think that is so much more expansive for the whole of it because there's a lot of characters out there who, like, really according to, like, who their godly parent is, they'd kind of be pretty close to mortal when it comes to, like, what they do and, like, their abilities and stuff. But that's a whole other thing. I have a whole... I feel like I'm actually going to be a menace (laughs) on this podcast because I feel like my takes (laughs) takes are going to be actually, like, the opposite of what most people think. Like, I know a lot of people see... like the Like, the way that they, you know, like, Jason and Percy very much have, like, elemental abilities, but I don't see it as, like, Avatar, like, The Last Airbender, like, sort of, like, movement of, like, how they, how they manipulate things. Like, I think it's more guttural. It's more of, like, a, like, it's will. It's, like, strength. Like, when, like, you know what I mean? It's, like, anger makes the, that makes the waves move. It's not, like, his hand motions and, like, how he, so I don't know. I think, They like, should get you on for the, um, the fight choreo team for the... For the Disney Plus show, you have the theory about like yes, how they please. should go about like manipulating everything. For real, <laughs> I think I think Son of Neptune can attest to to that because like that was just such a moment when it all collapses and yeah. uh, <laughs> I remember when you told me that you tried to dress like Percy dressed on the cover of Son of Neptune, and oh, that's when I was like, Jake Sweat has to come on the oh podcast. My God. <laughs> that's so funny because I I literally found this North Face jacket and I said that's identical to the one. <laughs> from that book i said it's identical i'm buying this i need this in my life i was a sophomore in high school so don't don't make fun of me too hard but i'll be honest i would literally do it tomorrow so i, I have no shame in it like i have zero shame in any of this i bought a camp half butcher on etsy like six months ago Yo, I'm not, i still I'm not i still need you. one I st- we could literally have an eight-hour podcast right now like, i have so much no this is okay that means that you're coming back it means that you have to come back later because you have a lot of anecdotes no for real um, for real this is great <laughs> well actually we do have one more question for you before we talk about like yeah go ahead go the chapters for today it's um how did you pronounce the name of the godforsaken horseman who runs camp half-blood i did it like chiron like chiron but i don't think that was correct is that correct no that is correct yeah okay yeah when i was reading tears of olympus i would look up how to say like names and stuff like that that's so much more work than we do for the podcast (laughs) to segue us into our chapters for today it's 25 to 32 you saw the episode description you're here i read the the i read the chapters i read them i'm here (laughs) it's Hazel's POV, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll do Percy's POV. We open up with Hazel on the Argo 2. She gets woken up, right, by everybody's favorite, my favorite of the series, Gale the Farting Polecat. Give it up for Hold up, hold up. Polecats are not rodents. We're going to need to pause right there. (laughs) Rodents are part of the order Carnivoridae. They're more closely related to cats and dogs than rodents. I'm sorry. No No one listening to this podcast cares. I volunteered at the Honolulu Zoo for several years. Um, hey, I wanted to be a zoologist when I was a kid, so I feel you on that. That is that is fair. Hey. It's, a, it's an equal of such. Animals teach us more about ourselves, so it's cool. It really is true. <laughs> yes. Energy, the energy is golden. It's the truth. Um, we're sailing through the Adriatic Sea. We're near Croatia. Um, shout out to the map that we put in our outline because who knows where Croatia is. I we did not learn European geography in high school because we went to... You all know um, this by now. A different school. Um. <laughs> yeah, Hazel like goes to talk to Coach Hedge to figure out like why there's an animal on the ship. Um, because of course Coach Hedge can talk to animals, but when she gets there, she it seems like she's interrupting some kind of meeting. Um, this is an interesting like pl- subplot line that is carried throughout the book of Coach mm-hmm. Hedge. You know, talking becoming to his a dad. Wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who? We, spoiler: We find out that Millie, the wind spirit, is pregnant. 
I, not to take a pause this early on, but did you guys feel like this like was sensical and effective? I actually do think it is. I think any moment in this series where you have an ability to humanize these characters, you should take it. And and like I think I think it kind of does. Like it kind of gives you an idea that he's not just like his life isn't only on the boat. Like his life isn't yeah. only just everything we've seen so far. For me, I felt like. At first, it was just annoying because we all know we don't really care for Coach Hedge. And I was like, why is this here? This is slowing down the pacing. But, you know, spoiler, we get to a point later on where they kind of, like, let Coach Hedge leave. And Mm -hmm. I actually really liked that because I felt there's this concept that we're building to about, like, New Rome and, like, going to college. And this idea that we are going to get to a place where things are going to be better and we're finally going to get to rest. Yeah, true, true. And it's like, we don't really know if we believe that that's possible Mm -hmm. for these kids at any point in time. But when we see Coach Hedge, like leave and we give him the opportunity to like go be somewhere safe it gives us the hope that like well one day the younger kids will take care of this for us and like yeah. we're on our way yeah. to something better and that i don't i really like that context mm-hmm. um, i think that now yeah the story on its own would make sense to me like the story of an adult who has a lot of anxiety about bringing a child into the world in the context of being a part of this dangerous mission and then also using that as a way for these you know teenage heroes to reflect on their own ideas about I don't know, like the responsibility of the future and all of these sorts of things. I relate a lot to the idea of this oft-bemoaned, like, millennial and Gen X anxiety about future dumb and being a good ancestor in the context of climate change and other planetary disasters that are ongoing. But I, <laughs> I have to say, I'm still on the board myself and anti just because I would say, like, humanize people if they're, like, people. Not in a literal sense of, like, being a human being, but in the sense that, like, Coach Hedge, like, before and after this is still such a non-person that it doesn't work for me. I think me. he becomes like, a person. I think that he kind of makes becomes a person, a person but, yeah. like, it doesn't, it doesn't align with everything. Like, the next scene we get coach hedge what does he do he like kicks jason's sword into the ocean because he like is unwilling to get rescued from his fight with the turtle in which he is accomplishing nothing (laughs) contributing nothing i just i don't know like i guess it's good that he chills out i would like to see the storyline from someone who is like otherwise like maybe boring or like has some other stuff going on but like is fundamentally still like oh my god uh, person i forget that you guys really dig into these characters you really kind of hit them hard (laughs) i'll be honest like i am a super fan of everyone i like hate nobody i'm like i'm like everyone's biggest fan that's so sweet no good i think actually like moments like this in the book where it kind of slows down and you kind of get to see he's not always like loud and rambunctious there's moments where he has to kind of be quiet and obviously be like there for someone else in his life kind of gives a greater perspective of like what you don't get to see that happens in the life of these characters there's a lot of it too like later on when we get into where hazel and jason are kind of walking up the big cliff mm-hmm. like that's another moment everybody's not screaming like for once the 13 yeah. 14 mm-hmm. year olds are kind of being quiet for a minute and it's like that's kind of real life like real life we have moments especially at that age at that in that circumstance where people are talking and then people aren't talking and like i don't know i love it for that reason I don't know. I'm only. I feel like I'm only gonna end up saying good things, but I'll be. I'll be the. No, that's very valid. Yeah, the angels <laughs> advocate it. here. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of large-scale generational anxiety, we move into this montage of Hazel trying to learn how to manipulate the mist because Gail the polecat is here, quote unquote, to observe some kind of mm-hmm. test. We don't know what it is. We know that Gail was sent by Hecate, and Hazel needs to like learn how to do magic, but. Quote, she didn't understand how she was supposed to learn magic with no training. And this, I really felt this line. I was like, yes. Why did I feel like I was going to get to college and people were going to like tell me how to do things? (laughs) Apparently that's not how it works and you have to figure everything out for yourself. Wow, that's such a great way to look at it. Yeah, I'm a first gen college student, so I feel that hard. I came here and it was very much like yo, you're running. And if you trip on the treadmill, you're off. Like, you're gone. Yeah, it's so funny. I feel like so many things about Heroes of Olympus, even though they're, like, high school age now, mm-hmm. Heroes of Olympus feels very college-y. We've talked about, like, yeah, yeah, school yeah, year abroad. It is. Like- and I feel like one of the things, too, that I was going to say is you can really feel the age of each character. Like, they are all different ages, and they're all kind of, like, going... Like, Percy very much is the eldest, sort of, like, 
kid here. Unless Annabeth might be a little bit older, but like uh, she's always older. She's older like than a, everybody. But like the right? two of them. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right, Carter, do you want to take over from here? Yeah. So Hazel, when she's trying to learn how to do magic, she's just like trying to do basically parlor tricks. Would you say she's just trying to like make the moon disappear or like turn somebody's sword into a baseball bat or something? Like it's all these like little things that she thinks that because they are small, she should be able to accomplish them, and then that is the order in which she should be pursuing this. But also, again, she has no idea how she should be going about this. In the midst of all of this, we get this fascinating conversation between Hazel and Frank that is sort of our follow-up to the conversation that we had last episode in which Frank had this quote-unquote power-up. Um, <laughs> which where was sick. Frank, that you was know, a sick moment. <laughs> <laughs> you guys weren't fans? You weren't fans of when he kind of glowed we up? Were... You'll, you'll hear it. We, by the time we're recording this, like our episode isn't out yet, so everybody will... Oh, jeez. Okay, it, okay. But... Maybe you thought it was weird. That's no, it's fair. valid. No, it's valid. Mm-hmm. Your opinions are valid. I actually You're think Frank is kind of a style there. icon in this book. I think he kind of has some great fashion sense. Like, I know he wears some, like, <laughs> basic stuff, but, like, his, uh, like, when I was reading this book. He just wears tourist t-shirts like, from the different yeah. cities they visited. He wears, like, streetwear now. He wears, like, an old school, like, Olympics hoodie, like, that's cool. He, like, wears a crop top unintentionally. That's pretty, you know, he was ahead of his time. I very much was fashion-inspired by characters, too. I kind of made up my own ideas of, like, what <laughs> everyone looked like. Fashion-inspired by Frank Shang is an absolute first. I love <laughs> By that. everyone in the book. I had a short period of my life where I actually was a Leo fan more than Percy. Whoa. Because he had the cool-ass jacket. I don't know what it was. The jacket was cool. It was his whole character. I don't know. I really vibed with it, but we both never shut up so maybe that's why (laughs) (laughs) but to get into what hazel actually says i think this is super interesting quote suddenly he'd grown into his way no one should call him pudgy or cuddly anymore he looked like a football player solid and strong with a new center of gravity his shoulders had broadened he walked with more confidence frank's whole bearing had changed even leo stopped making jokes at his expense but like this is the same physical transformation that we'd gotten earlier frank is i don't want to say skinnier but like kind of skinnier now like more muscular i guess he's taller taller, and like everyone's vaguely impressed by this but at the end of the last chapter we sort of commented on hazel having this unease in her eyes that frank is seeing and remarking on and we're like oh I don't remember that being explored, but maybe it is explored. This is the extent of that exploration right here. (laughs) (laughs) Quote. Read the quote. His voice held a little of the old doubt and awkwardness, the voice of her Frank, who was always worried about being a klutz and messing up. Hazel felt relieved. She liked that part of him. At first, his new appearance had shocked her. She had been worried that his personality had changed as well. Now she was starting to relax about that. Despite all his strength, Frank was the same sweet guy. He was still vulnerable. He still trusted her with his biggest weakness, the piece of magical firewood she carried in her coat pocket next to her heart. <laughs> I think that what this is trying to say is like, okay, you weren't here, Jake, but we had a whole lengthy conversation about like male puberty and Rick <laughs> trying to give everyone a lesson in like growing up and getting bigger. And I feel oh, like wow. what Rick okay. is trying to say with this is... It's okay. You can get taller, but you can still have like a good heart, boys. Wow. I mean, I guess that's fair. I think I was a kid who kind of sprouted up at a certain point in my life, so I could see that being applicable. How tall are you? Jake? I'm six one, so I'm a taller guy. Yeah, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> I don't I don't, that does not need. To, nobody needs to know that. I was. But I, I was like a small kid. I was a little kid too. I wasn't the tallest kid when I was little, and then I hit ninth grade, and I just shot up, and I was like. My neck expanded like a whole thing. (laughs) I I just literally said, I'm a taller guy on a podcast. I hate myself for that. Uh, (laughs) Let the people know. Why not? Uh, (laughs) If anybody is vaguely impressed by tallness, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome, Blaise. Your toxic trait. He's he's much taller. my toxic trait that's so funny we all have toxic traits i'm not gonna lie i I will in solidarity expose myself as someone who um streamed keshi for an extended period of time today and was like oh my um Mm -hmm. i have toxic traits we all have toxic traits i was just anyway um no fair fair this is another hot take i have i think your fatal flaw tells me more about who your demigod parent is than whatever else it is whoa they are supposed to correlate i think that's the truth that's cool Percy's height is brought up a lot in the series too it's like so many people see him and they're like like they're like oh my god like which is I don't know maybe that's like 
you find reasons to connect with characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Total representation. Yeah, representation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Although I'm literally like the most, I'm 99% the majority. So I cannot say Every anything. book character looks like Jake's <laughs> Literally all of my favorite characters look like me. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was a 12-year-old boy with brown, messy hair. Like, when I read this book and I said, wow, this Same. is, yeah. I, I'm not even going to lie about it. Like, it's, it's the truth at this point. I saw a tweet that said, when you turn 20, it's just liking what you liked when you were 12 years old without being ashamed about it. And so I'm not going to be ashamed about any of this. I think it's the truth. No. Yeah. I mean, we are That's making like a podcast. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> liking what you like without being ashamed about it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Garnet, was there anything else you wanted to say about yeah. <laughs> I, I have reservations about that. I don't want to sound like I'm... We're trying to be cognizant. Like, Hazel is fully 13 years old. She's growing. She's learning. Like, not, not, none of this is to say that she's a bad person or anything. But also, I feel like this is Hazel saying, like, wow, I'm so glad that my boyfriend is a like, taller, skinnier version of himself. And I was just like, I... I but it's real. I don't, I don't know. know <laughs> like, I can't pretend that she wouldn't think that. Or, like, she's a 13-year-old girl. She's entitled to that emotion. That's not how I interpret this at all. That's is so this not? I was like, no. this feels like Hazel, like, justifying to herself the fact that she is, like, attracted to this new version of Frank by saying, like, oh, personality-wise, he's the same person. And so like, yay, the other stuff is different. Is that not what you took out of this? I felt like she was extremely indifferent to the physical change. She's just glad that he's not like a scary monster. Yeah, I agree. I think that's kind of how she viewed it too. There's a note here that says, anyhow, Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings <laughs> is out now. It's true. As of we, us recording this, the movie has just come out. So go, oh go watch God. that. That is the reason why I was toxically streaming Stream Keshi this morning was because the soundtrack is out. And not to, not to be that girl, I'm not an ABG, but, um, you know, 88 Rising has made some points sometimes. Something that I knew I was going to have to, like, probably reveal at a certain point in this. I am not really a Marvel fan. I am a Spider-Man fan. I am a big fan of Spidey. Props to you. Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man has brown, messy hair, so congratulations. What can I say? What can I say? But I'm obsessed with coming-of-age stuff, and he is yeah. very much the coming-of-age yes. character in Marvel. But It's okay. Carter doesn't, like marvel stuff either it's just no i don't not like Marvel. hey 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 i've I, i've disliked enough things that are popular with fun nerdy young white people on twitter i can't be against marvel and taylor swift <laughs> <laughs> well i have a question for you guys at the end of this podcast too about about a celebrity and who you think their demigod parent is okay is it tom holland no it's lord <laughs> Shut up. Okay, we're going to have to think about it's it. It's a hot take. For the next hour. I'll be thinking about this. Okay. I'll be ruminating. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> Another really amazing, epic, delightful, wonderful imagery quote from this chapter. The top of the mast was one of the few places on board where Nico could be alone. The others had offered him the use of Percy's cabin since Percy was, well, absent. Nico adamantly refused. He spent most of his time up in the rigging where he didn't have to talk to the rest of the crew. I said, Q, my favorite fan art of Nico. You know what it is. It's that Viria drawing of him sitting in profile oh on like gosh. the crow's nest of the ship. And it's so Icon. This image of him completely alone at one of the hardest, possibly like the lowest point in his life besides when Bianca died. Choosing I, not to I stay agree. in Percy's room because he can't. Uh. <laughs> mm -hmm. I saw that fan art for the first time, you know, on Pinterest ages ago. I think it's where I saw it. It's where I used to just yeah. consume all Percy Jackson fan art. I have to read this quick quote. There's this short back and forth. Hazel says, Nico is my only relative. He's not easy to like, but thanks for being kind to him. Frank responds, hey, you put it with my grandmother in Vancouver. Talk about not easy to like. Both of their flop eras. This is their worst moments. Lowest points in the book. Nico and Frank's grandmother. Those are some of the the great icons of the series. Are you kidding oh, me? facts. Frank's grandmother is like my grandmother in ways. So I was like, I respect that. Like, she's a tough, yes. tough woman. And it was so cool because it made him tough. Yeah, I feel like the whole like shitting on your family members for no reason other than to try to be relatable to the person who is closest to you physically in the room. Yes. I feel like that's a thing you do when you're oh, young facts. though. It's a thing that you do. Again, we're not going to cancel them or something. Like we've all been there, but also I, I don't like it. I have to comment on it. I like had such a strong mental image of Hazel. Do we all know these memes? I put pictures of them into this document so that we would all know them. But like, if you were on Twitter, you know these images of like Beyonce standing in front of Jay-Z, like very dominantly where he's like, you can only see half of his face and he's like kind of like 
angle down. And also more oh recently, this image from the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man of Kirsten Dunst, like turning around angrily while Tobey Maguire is kind of like sheepishly in the background. And the comments <laughs> are always things like, he said no nuts in a salad or like the pronouns are actually <laughs> they them or like those types of things. You know what I mean? I always had that mental image for, like, Hazel and Nico's relationship, specifically with regard to the Seven and the experience of being in the Argo, and I sort of forgot about this, and Hazel, <laughs> she fell off for me in this moment, she is not a Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> That's very Annabeth and Piper energy, I have to be honest. <laughs> That's that true, is. yes, facts. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so all of that fun little narration stuff happens, the action of these chapters ensues, this giant turtle attacks broad summary the turtle chases them into these straits where they think that they are safe arian shows up at one point but it turns out this evil wait is he a god he's a demigod, demigod. yeah Sound yeah but yeah. Like, yeah this demigod the, the neat thing like is captures them with these demigods that like come back throughout the series is like they're like half versions of themselves because they like sold their soul to get back to the over to the overworld which is minecraft Ooh. like the real world you know what i mean like this guy's messed up she describes the difference between that him as a demigod and percy as a demigod of like what yeah. traits of poseidon that they they take on and i thought that was cool it's page 221 Hazel could hardly believe this guy had the same father as Percy Jackson. Then she remembered that Poseidon had a changeable personality, like the sea. Maybe his children reflected that. Percy was a child of Poseidon's better nature, powerful but gentle and helpful, the kind of sea that sped ships safely to distant lands. Skyrin was a child of Poseidon's other side, the kind of sea that battered relentlessly at the coastline until it crumbled away, or carried the innocents from shore and let them drown, or smashed ships and killed entire crews without mercy. Okay, literature, Rick. <laughs> I love it. It That's reminds writing. us of how, like, flawed even, like, the godly characters are. Right? This is Rick directly addressing a criticism that he got from a lot of classicists or people who came to this with more of a mythological background, which is that in the original stories, Poseidon is just kind of most of the time an unbearable asshole and occasionally does nice things, but for the most part is just, like, moody and kind of gross and unpleasant that one time he tried to win Athens and gave them a saltwater fountain that nobody wanted, you know, just like generally like was not <laughs> super popular. And Rick sort of reinvented him. And this is him inserting himself again to be like, oh, no, 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 no. I know my mythology. Like I just chose to make it this way. <laughs> Turns out it was a trap. The turtle works with a pirate bandit guy named Skyron. He's the other child of Poseidon. They're screwed. So it feels like this is the opportunity for Hazel's test so basically yeah. what happens is that hazel and jason decide to like scale the giant cliff to get to where skyrim mm -hmm. is and like try to um defeat him yeah there are a few quick notes about this one is that rick we don't have to read this rick at this point answers the question wait if hazel summons things aren't they cursed that we've always been wondering because hazel at the end of the son of neptune summons a shit ton of weapons and she gives them out to people and nobody dies and some people, including me, have been wondering about this for a while. And this is Rick just saying, like, <laughs> no, no, don't you worry. I remembered this. And I'm just going to say that it's fine. It's yeah. the epitome of lampshading. Glee season four level, just like... <laughs> you can't world build a world this large and write a book every single year and, like, not have to go back and do some backpedaling. Yeah. And some King edits. level. And I just appreciate... <laughs> I appreciate that he acknowledges them. There is a point, though, <laughs> later, even in these chapters, where she even questions if she can do it at all still, right? If, if anything, she summons his curse still, right? Yeah. She doesn't know about like, the gems, and we don't find out. Because she, yeah. di she died and came back. So she was like, did that leave when I when i died yeah mm -hmm. shout out to let's get into it the best part of this pov is yes. when hazel you mentioned it earlier jake when hazel and jason are just kind of like heading uphill yes. to get to this cliffside cave thing and you um, you're a jason and... hater right don't you not like <laughs> we you're, you're... we we're waiting for him to improve at this okay, point okay, okay. we right, are so, so. we are on the journey that jason is on of self-reflection and growth but no, but, but this mostly is very no. relatable. Shall we get a reading? <laughs> Shall we get a reading? Carter, do you want to read this? Yes. I, okay. For the first thing that she says is separated from the other lines, quote, she had a hard time warming up to him with those icy blue eyes. End quote. Queen. Queen, 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 queen. I relate to that so hard. Yes, it's true. Quote. Also, she couldn't forget how he had been ready to write off her brother, Nico. When they learned he was a captive in Rome, he thought Nico was bait for a trap. He'd been right. And maybe now that Nico was safe, Hazel could see why Jason's caution was a good idea. Still, she didn't quite know what to think of the guy. What if they got themselves in trouble at the top of the cliff and Jason decided that saving Hazel wasn't in the best interest of the quest? Period. Somebody Finally. said it. 
finally someone we've all been thinking it this happened on our episode with elizabeth a couple episodes ago we're like we were like so much of the stuff that jason did is like oh well he's growing and he gets over it and he becomes a better guy at the end of the day but this this moment the moment of wanting to leave nico as bait that is so unforgivable (laughs) that was his worst worst moment you have to be a bully a little bit to be praetor you really have to you really have to to do it this is the first time that somebody has like stepped up and said like maybe maybe it was arbitrary that he was in charge why was it again that we all trusted him i didn't know him like that Mm-hmm. And it's important because Jason also needs to and will have these conversations within himself. I love it. <laughs> I'm so excited for it. Okay, they get to Skyron. Basically, he can't be defeated in combat. His usual plan is that he freaks people out with his stinky feet, kicks them off the cliff. <laughs> Icon! And then the turtle eats them. I love that. That is the quirkiest villain plan we've seen in a while. This character reminds me of uh, the, the Princess Bride. What's his name? Indigo, Indigo Montoya. Neither of us has ever seen Princess really? No, I've seen Princess He's... Bride. No, wait, sorry. Are we talking about Bride or Diaries? Bride. No, the Princess no, we've Bride. seen the Princess Bride. I've seen Diaries oh, with oh, Dame Commodore of the British Empire, Julie Andrews. <laughs> Oh my god! But other yeah, but he's very like pirate looking, like very much like Captain yeah, Hookish. Yeah, I think that's of. the that's the character that Diego talked to us about on one episode, and we were like, like, I love this character, <laughs> and we were like, who? Um, <laughs> good to know. Maybe nice. we should have a movie. Yeah. Day. Um, <laughs> this is the moment we failed to highlight it earlier, but Hazel's been having these dreams of her dad of Pluto saying the dead see what they believe they want to see. Mm-hmm. The same goes for the mm-hmm. living, and she hasn't been able to figure out what that means. And then finally, in this moment, she realizes the trick to manipulating the mist it's not about doing little things and then growing to bigger things mm-hmm. she just has to figure out what it is that this person wants to see mm-hmm. and then make that happen yeah which i think the mist magic like the way that they approach that is so yes. cool it's yeah. like a sci-fi ish within like the whole like yeah. it's really cool very cool yeah because it's like magic but it feels like mind control yeah. in a way yeah. it's like absolute like psychic manipulation um, the quote is, if she could summon gold and diamonds, why not summon another kind of treasure? A vision of the world people wanted to see. I personally like that line. I think it's kind of epic. I think Hazel would think like this. Like Hazel, It's both right and also a little corny, but also I- I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> but I think that Hazel has the permission. Like, I feel like the whole like Hazel's from the 1940s thing. I feel like she is the corny character. Yeah, you know? sure, 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 sure. We didn't mention this earlier, but like Hazel, like... <laughs> it was like has like a little mini freak out moment when she sees Frank's quote unquote midriff because he's taller oh, now. Because <laughs> yeah. he's serving an accidental oh, teen yeah. boy crop top moment. Yeah. We know them well. We know them well. <laughs> um, so the the trick of the mist that Hazel's using is basically Skyrin is to his credit like a better fighter and marksman then they're capable of defeating in combat. Like, they can't beat him. They can't out-negotiate him. But because he knows that, she can manipulate the mist to convince him that he has already defeated them when he is, in fact, not. Like, he will kick Jason off the cliff, but Jason will fly, but he can't see that he's flying because Hazel will use the mist to convince him of the thing that he's already convinced of, which is that he has won. So they, like, pull this little switcheroo. They switch directions. Hazel's just, like, turning a little bit, but he still thinks he's going to kick her into the ocean. He doesn't. His back's to the ocean. Jason body slams him into the mouth of the turtle. Wow, irony, we love it. So, so sick. It's serving Disney villain demise moment where he's like falling slowly backwards, yes. shooting with the swallowing. guns and he's missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like the whole description of like her 360. You could really like think of it and like yeah. really understand. You're like, damn, like, okay, this is really, really cool. Yeah, oh my God. she's it's thinking. Such a cool, it's some of the coolest pages in this book. I absolutely yeah. recommend going back and rereading this chapter because it's super Agreed, cool. agreed. And then dad shows up and takes credit for this. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to a little commercial break and then we will see y'all back for Percy's POV. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. We're in Percy's perspective now. The real, real. The real, real. The real shit. It's true. Um, we left off with the Arai. That's probably not how you should actually pronounce it. That was a very I'm Japanese sorry. pronunciation. Carter, you did not just say that. <laughs> Whatever. No. Latin's not a spoken language anymore, okay? I yeah, like, they're, like who who really knows? Who really knows how they say no, it? No, I'm just laughing because that's also how I read it. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yonsei energy, but um, we left off with these cursed spirits attacking. We're starting to fight them off. Percy's first reaction is, yes, absolutely. I miss fighting. Let's get back into it. (laughs) This this is sick. It's a very Percy Jackson moment for himself. Like... I'm just gonna kick ass and yeah. just, I'm just gonna do what I'm yeah. best and and I'm pissed off. You know what I mean? You poked the bear. It's sick. <laughs> it's sick. It's actually what I live for. I actually live and breathe for this. So. I live and breathe for Percy being like pissed for off. Sort of play. <laughs> it's very impressive because I don't think we clarified this last time, but like the way that the RI work is that when you cut one of them down, they release a curse upon you, wished by someone in their dying moments. So in the case of Percy, that mostly means various monsters that he has destroyed have wished various sufferings upon him that are inflicted the moment that he actually cuts one of these monsters down. But if you don't kill the monsters, then they have other ways to kill you too. So it's a very damned if you do, damned if you don't situation where at this point they're trying to sort of like whack them away with their hands without killing any of them because the curses are quite bad. Like the first one that he invokes is the curse of Garion, the guy from Triple Tree Ranch with the three chests who Percy like... He's shoots made the, the arrow shot. through all that three was of the so bodies. Sick. So Percy is now like, he gets like arrow holes now out of like yeah. both sides of his chest, which is what he did to mm-hmm. Garion. This is like a pretty intense situation, not just because of this, but obviously because of the... It's all bloody. There, there's a lot of blood, but also the, um, how do you say, the metaphorical significance, of course. Like this is where... The moral implications. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He has a lot to reflect on. He's like, damn, yes. I hurt a lot of people. It's not even just realizing the people he's hurt. He's literally feeling yeah. exactly what he did to like these people. Like a very radical, visceral writing of like what empathy actually yeah. means. <laughs> you go through a list of like all of the individual monsters. Like this is how he killed this one. Yeah. This is how he killed this one. Mm-hmm. And all of them also do Annabeth. sound like awful. Yeah. Also and, Annabeth. Annabeth too. And like the way that these things are like whispering to him and like slowly like crawling and venturing towards yeah. him. I don't want to say it's the culmination of all of the callbacks because obviously that's going to be like the battle in Blood of Olympus. But it does feel like a climax to all of the callbacks that we've been getting thinking about mm-hmm. the monsters that have come back and like things that have happened and i mean calypso is going to come back again again but this feels like to me the big yeah. calypso callback we'll get to a reading of that but in addition to gary and we've got polyphemus the giant that annabeth blinded she gets blinded we've got then ought i say like we be crushed like compe or disintegrated like the telekines you've spread so much death and suffering percy jackson they don't just say the telkines they remind us in battle of the labyrinth you might remember the section this is right when he and Annabeth have the first cast, but like surrounding that, yeah. he's like in a school for monsters and he yeah, kills them all. <laughs> like in order to in order to escape, like either he dies or they die. But it mm-hmm. is also like just a gruesome act that when we went through the story, like did not even pause for. There's yeah. so many moments in just the entirety of these chapters where it just so digs into that so well. Really kind of like experiencing how dark and twisted this stuff can get and even in the part where he sees the real Mm. version of of (laughs) yes oh my god oh my god so awesome i thought that was literally the coolest thing when i found out that that was like what this place was yeah i think we're we were planning to do a reading from that i was gonna ask like (laughs) we do not have to do this but do you want to like assign parts i think somebody should do bob and somebody should do everybody else (laughs) i can do everything except for bob and you can. okay okay (laughs) okay great let's go for it this is page 230 bob are you okay no curses no curses for bob Bob agreed. The R.I. snarled and circled, eyeing the broom. The Titan is already cursed. Why should we torture him further? You, Percy Jackson, have already destroyed his memory. Bob's spearhead dipped. Bob, don't listen to them, Annabeth said. They're evil. Time slowed. 
Percy wondered if the spirit of Kronos was somewhere nearby, swirling in the darkness, enjoying this moment so much that he wanted it to last forever. Oh, oh, oh my lord. I love that part. I love it. He's thinking back to his real, his real mortal enemy. The real a-hole. <laughs> Percy felt exactly like he had at 12 years old, battling Ares on that beach in Los Angeles when the shadow of the Titan Lord had first passed over him. Bob turned. His wild white hair looked like an exploded halo. My memory, it was you? Curse him, Titan, the odd eye urged, their red eyes gleaming. Add him to our numbers. Percy's heart pressed against his spine. Bob, it's a long story. I don't want you to be my enemy. I tried to make you a friend. By stealing your life, the odd eye said, leaving you in the palace of Hades to scrub floors. Annabeth gripped Percy's hand. Which way, she whispered, if we have to run. He understood. If Bob wouldn't protect them, their only chance was to run, but that wasn't any chance at all. Bob, listen, he tried again. The odd eye want you to get angry. They spawn from bitter thoughts. Don't give them what they want. We are your friends. Even as he said it, Percy felt like a liar. He'd left Bob in the underworld and hadn't given him a thought since. What made them friends? The fact that Percy needed him now? Percy always hated it when the gods used him for their errands. Now Percy was treating Bob the same way. You see his face? The odd eye growled. The boy cannot even convince himself. Did he visit you after he stole your memory? No. Bob murmured. His lower lip quivered. The other one did. Percy's thoughts moved sluggishly. The other one? Nico. Bob scowled at him, his eyes full of hurt. Nico visited. Told me about Percy. Said Percy was good. Said he was a friend. That is why Bob helped. But... Percy's voice disintegrated like someone had hit it with a celestial bronze blade. He'd never felt so low and dishonorable, so unworthy of having a friend. The odd eye attacked, and this time, Bob did not stop them. <laughs> if that isn't the juiciest scene in all of these books! So sick. He actually was like, I majorly effed up. Literally. Like, and it, it, it's good because... That is a part of who he is. Yeah. Like, you do know that about Percy. Like, he's not perfect. No. Like, he's always known he's not perfect. And this is just a moment where he looks back and he's like, damn. Just another trip up. Yeah. Of, you know yeah. what I mean? Getting kicked out of Yancey Academy yeah. again. But also, like, it's not just, like, another flaw in, like, a broad sense. When we talked earlier about Percy's fatal flaw, the suggestion at the end of The Last Olympian, kind of subtextually, was that he did manage to, like, pull it off. And that by being very loyal to a tight-knit group of people who he's very close with, those personal loyalties were mm -hmm. fine and helped him to, like, save everything and that there was not really yeah. a cost that was paid. But this is, like, directly, like, the fatal flaw cost that we're seeing here in the sense that, like, because he doesn't consider this person a friend, he hasn't done anything for them. And, like, you, you can feel him not only experiencing the consequences uh, of that, but also, like, really, like, feeling like shit. Because now he has to process for himself, like, what it means that his fatal flaw has limitations and, like, does actually, like, cause harms in the world. Yeah, he's, like, like, he can't be everyone's hero, and he's, like, he constantly wants to, and, like, there's things and moments where he trips up, and sometimes it's going to cost him a whole, whole lot. That's so, oh Not my to God. say nothing of the Nico of it all. The Nico of the it Nico all. The Nico of it all. Yeah, for real. This kid's picking up everyone's lost oh puzzle pieces, for real. God. After they've just been like, oh, Nico's not a team player. Like, oh, Nico's so hard to be around. And like all of that weird rhetoric in this book. And Percy realizing right now that Nico is the one thing that has saved him again. Nico's got like a greater scheme, like a greater look at like the whole image of the world and he's like he remembers what other people forget about right he remembers because he's because he's someone that people forget <laughs> about too you know and it's that's one of the reasons i love this fan art which i'll post when the episode comes out because he's like looking down at everything from way high above and he is alone up there he's the only one who yeah. sees things that way yeah and it, it's the burden of it and people get mad at him they're like oh i don't, like why does he do this why do you not trust him and he's like i learned from the start that like no one ever trusts me except for bob yeah. and that's the other like the beauty of it is so multi-directional and that like as much as nico yes. was like providing like a service to bob as like the one person who was taking care of him when he had just lost his memory and experienced this incredible trauma nico doesn't have friends like it takes someone who has their memory wiped to treat nico like a normal person and to value him it's so that is so <laughs> heartbreaking sad. right but, right like, He's like, I'm. Nico's only important when he saves everyone. And then they're like, then they forget about him again. It's it's a bummer. It's a real bummer. I had another moment in this. Not to like switch. No, the please. Subject, but 
one of the great things about Percy and Annabeth in Tarnus yes, together yes, yes, is yes, Jake. So, they, <laughs> I love you this really moment. get to see how much they've really grown up together. Mm-hmm. Like they've really kind of just been together forever. Cause like in the middle of Percy just being in the in this conversation with someone, his girlfriend is like, "Yo, which way? Yes, hey, which way yes. I'm gonna well, she's temporarily like, like blinded, and she when just grabs younger. him, and he's like, yeah, "All right." It's very, it's very relationship type talk. Yeah. Like, it's very much like the way a couple would Coupled speak to each other. Where like, partnership. yeah, where someone's talking to someone, and like, no matter what, they, this person can just whisper in your ear, and you know you're gonna hear what they yes. have to say because they're that person in your life. I really, I really love that about this book. And there's another moment too, later on, where Percy's uh, talking about the cliff, yeah. and he's like, "She's like, what is it?" And he's like, "Big cliff, gotta go this way." And it's like that's all he says. And it's cool because like back in the day, they would be like, <laughs> you know what I mean, they'd be talking up like the younger kids yeah. are now, like the other kids on the boat who are just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Their brains are going crazy, and they like they haven't really been through mm-hmm. it, you know. And there's so much of their dialogue is just so shortcut because it doesn't need to be long for them to really read each other understand each other yeah i love that not to call it my queen but also the way that annabeth's one line in this is like if we need to run where do we go because that's what she does does. she's a runner she runs she's a she runs away from everything that's what she does like that's like if she can't get out of something she runs away and percy has the moment of being like okay that's she's right except for the fact that if we run away we're doomed we can't do that like percy is the one who says we can't run away and that's like because he takes shit from nobody (laughs) he takes nobody's yeah it is oh my god it's just the beauty of it rick i like my heart is pounding i just yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Um. Any other bits in it? Because we have a whole other chunk to read. But is there anything else from that section that we? We missed? should probably sit just very briefly on the moment where Percy compares himself to the Olympians as a part of his reflection. Yeah, because of where the last series ended. Because of where the last series ended. Because the whole point of the last series was supposed to be about paying attention to people and about recognizing unsung contributions and him being like, "I'm the villain in my own story," etc. Like that specific comparison is so rich he's like he's he's giving um yubaba and um the yavitas being the um giant baby from what spirited away oh my god is this not a reference that like makes sense to people do we not feel like bob is giant baby is and you're saying Percy is like Yababa? Percy, I mean, like not not necessarily <laughs> Percy is Yababa. More Bob is giant one. baby. I like that comparison. And like they're trying to like appease this basically infant who doesn't know anything, but also can get everybody killed at any moment. No, is that not the energy? Oh my god. No, sure, I like it. Why not? More Spirited Away references on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so next chunk. This is from chapter thirty. Now, um, this is the top of page two thirty five. Okay, the demon is all, but when Annabeth got to her feet, she looked stunned and afraid, as well as blind. Percy, she called, panic creeping into her voice. I'm right here. He tried to put his hand on her shoulder, but she wasn't standing where he thought. He tried again, only to find she was several feet further away. It was like trying to grab something in a tank of water, with the lights shifting the image away. Percy? Annabeth's voice cracked. Why did you leave me? I didn't. He turned on the R.I., his arms shaking with anger. What did you do to her? We did nothing, the demon said. Your beloved has unleashed a special curse, a bitter thought from someone you have abandoned. You punished an innocent soul by leaving her in solitude. Now her most hateful wish has come to pass. Annabeth feels her despair. She too will perish alone and abandoned. Percy! Annabeth spread her arms, trying to find him. The R.I. backed up, letting her stumble blindly through the ranks. Who did I abandon? Percy demanded. I never! Suddenly his stomach felt like it had dropped off of a cliff. The words rang in his head, an innocent soul, alone and abandoned. He remembered an island, a cave lit with soft glowing crystals, a dinner table on the beach tended by invisible air spirits. She wouldn't, he mumbled. She'd never curse me. Oh, I love that line. She'd never curse me. Because she did! This shit is mm-hmm. insane. It's insane. When he said that, like, that's all he had to say. She'd never curse me. And you can feel it. You can feel how, like, 
the Trade is by by that because moment. he's like damn I like it's not only the monsters exactly who are upset with me in this world it's it's the real exactly because too. she's not a monster she's an eons old titan and he still broke her heart and he mm-hmm. hurt her he's a girl that he likes yeah he he had feelings for her this is this is this is shakening this is quakening because yeah we, we've got the, we're getting this calypso set up you know we have this whole like Archimedes sphere crystal thing and, yeah. Like, we were getting like the she was my biggest regret and all of these lines coming back and then we think that this is the calypso moment that hits obviously it's not but this is just utterly in wild. a deeper way it's the one that hits like this is the one to yeah. me that is like mm-hmm. asking the real questions about what is owed to her in a way that like i don't know let's be clear here like this is not <laughs> i don't think this is rick saying like you can't break up with somebody or like no ghosting no, yeah, or of course not it's like a such a specific situation where he's like i don't know like they were sort of in a relationship but more than that like he owes her like she is he wrongfully imprisoned and he she said, should yeah. not be there anymore and he said and he that, yeah, yeah it's not about the fact that they didn't date it's about the fact that he abandoned her and that's what annabeth is feeling right now yeah oh my god and the fact that it's happening to well, her well he used yeah her. he used her because he was stuck and she saved him and then he got exactly. out exactly the same way that he feels like he's using bob and like mm-hmm. frick mm-hmm. if we all haven't felt that growing up that like oh my god i don't know how to treat people moment of like what is friendship yeah. and like am i a good friend and like all of these things like these are such a relatable obviously on a grander scale but these are all things mm-hmm. that we have to like think about as we're quote-unquote coming of age like yeah, what does it mean absolutely. to be a good friend and a partner what, what do we owe each other things? what are the consequences of like the things that i need to do but like i have read some like bizarre posts where people are like apparently not everyone loves the bob story not everyone loves the calypso story like some people's responses are something like well what else was he supposed to do and like with bob it's a little bit less true but with calypso like that's just part of it you know like it's not as though he should have stayed there with her but like that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences and there aren't things that are owed and there aren't externalities that he hasn't reckoned with fully something about it being calypso makes it really reveal just a greater blind spot to what he already thought was a blind spot you know what i mean Mm -hmm. he thought he knew exactly who would be the people that would curse him in this life that would really have something bad to say about him and this opens up like more than just calypso it's like who else out there then yes that, that he actually cared about not people that he went and killed yeah. or went to go hunt and hurt yes like people that he crossed paths with who like had something to say when he left yeah that's really it's crazy yeah, absolutely it's deep we're almost there we're almost to the end it's the fact that they are hurting annabeth that makes him lose yeah shit. Oh. at this moment he freaks out he's like the only reason they haven't killed her yet is because they're enjoying watching her suffer and me suffer because they're making her suffer and so he loses his shit he says screw it and he he yells in fury and attacks them all he, sick who who better for you than the boy he, he is literally <laughs> the bomb but also like, the the bomb. Of, like, he, is not, he does not have any idea what to do and he knows that the more that he kills them the worse he's gonna feel but he has he is he is he has no other options he has no other other options options. he's emotionally depleted it's and what does he do he like this is a feat of strength moment it's a feat of strength moment also he doesn't run away he dives straight into it and he says like screw it and he just lashes out and he tries to like take things onto himself and their burdens as a way of like this is what the whole world looks at this is why people talk about him in corners where he's not there of this (laughs) world because of moments like this where they're like, you do not piss off Percy Jackson and get away with Most it. Most powerful demigod I've ever met. You don't no cross. <laughs> you don't cross him. Yes, facts. Absolutely. And it's sick that he knows he's like hurting himself too. And he's like, I don't care anymore. And that that's when Percy is like the most himself. That's when we're back to the 12-year-old mm. who first walked into And we this, get these this, callbacks. This that's shit, what's you know? so powerful about the section of the writing too is that they remind yeah. you of all of these benchmarks to compare it to. Like in that earlier mm-hmm. passage that we read, there's this explicit mention of the fight on the beach against Ares. Yes, Ares. Arguably his yeah, first beast yeah. moment when his he defeated first God beast yeah. moment and our first moment of being there with him. Like, yeah. I like how he doesn't explain it. Like, I like how he just brings yeah. it up and then you keep moving yes. forward from it and he kind of leaves it up to you to be like, Oh, yeah. oh, I could see how you look at this and feel the same way you would in a moment like mm-hmm. that. Like, I'm not going to try and explain this to you, but understand, like, how I feel right now yeah. is how I felt back because then. Because we know how he felt back then because we were we there, too. It. He <laughs> we doesn't have to too, explain yeah. it. Like, oh, 
So eventually he hits an R.I. that gives him the curse of Phineas, just from a couple books ago, wherein he is finally going to feel the poison from drinking the Gorgon's blood. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is it. He's dying from this Gorgon's blood. Gaia said that one day he would die a death even more painful than it. And so Especially ironic because at the time, like the whole the whole gag was that he made this bet with him where he like was either gonna drink the healing blood or the killing blood, and Gaia was like, Oh, don't you worry, like I'll save you this time. And yeah. We're getting our payoff for that. (laughs) All right. So here comes our almost final chunky reading. So this is page 239. Bob, he croaked, I need you. A hopeless plea. He could barely hear himself. Why should Bob answer his call twice? The Titan knew the truth now. Percy was no friend. He raised his eyes one last time. His surroundings seemed to flicker. The sky boiled and the ground blistered. Percy realized that what he saw of Tartarus was only a watered-down version of its true horror. Only what his demigod brain could handle. The worst of it was veiled, the same way the mist veiled the monsters from mortal sight. Now as Percy died, he began to see the truth. The air was the breath of Tartarus. All these monsters were just cells circulating through his body. Everything Percy saw was a dream in the mind of the dark god of the pit. This must have been the way Nico had seen Tartarus, and it had almost destroyed his sanity. Nico, one of the people Percy hadn't treated well enough. He and Annabeth had only made it this far through Tartarus because Nico D'Angelo had behaved like Bob's true friend. You see the horror of the pit? The odd eye said soothingly. Give up, Percy Jackson. Isn't death better than enduring this place? I'm sorry, Percy murmured. He apologizes. The odd eye shrieked with delight. He regrets his failed life, his crimes against the children of Tartarus. No, Percy said. I'm sorry, Bob. I should have been honest with you. Please forgive me protect annabeth he didn't expect bob to hear him or care but it felt right to clear his conscience he couldn't blame anyone else for his troubles not the gods not bob he couldn't even blame calypso the girl he'd left alone on that island maybe she turned bitter and cursed percy's girlfriend out of despair still percy should have followed up with calypso made sure the gods sprang her from her exile in ojigia like they'd promised he hadn't treated her any better than he'd treated bob he hadn't even thought much about her, though her moonlace plant still bloomed in his mom's window. Wow. There's just, okay, there's a few sentences in here where you really just dig into how Percy thinks and, like, how he really just, he mulls things over. And he's so, he's so quietly smart in so many ways. And the saddest part about being smart is that he's realizing how, how truthful this awful, awful stuff he did was. You know, you're in his brain where it says... The girl he'd left alone on that island. Mm-hmm. Like, it hits. Yeah. It yeah, hits. You don't have to describe who there. she was. The other part, Percy was no friend. When do you read a line like that in a Percy Jackson oh book? Oh, my God. When do you God. ever hit a sentence where just the sentence just says, Percy was no friend? That is not Percy Jackson. That is the that is the opposite of who this dark kid Percy. is. And he's like, dark Percy is the truth. That's the truth. I love that. I love that you guys say that. When I first heard you guys say dark Percy, I was like, LFG, let's, let's, let's do this. Have you ever seen the dark Percy fan yeah, art? Yeah, we, so, we got to bring that back into the world. I wanted that circulating yeah. again on all major platforms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as like lessons and like this is a middle grade book. Yeah. At this point, Percy realizes he was like, I can only blame myself. And so what does he do? A, he goes down fighting, and B, he apologizes. Apologizes. All he, like, he realizes the only thing he can do is literally just apologize. And so the person who was nearest to him, which happens to be Bob, he says, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Please, though, not just for me, like, protect Annabeth. Like, she cannot be suffering because of my actions. And then Bob decides to protect both of them. Let's also take a moment for the Nico of it all. The Nico My of it all. God. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Finally. Please. Finally. The way I felt about Hazel talking about Jason, that's how I feel right now. I'm like, Finally. Finally. <laughs> Let's acknowledge what we've all been thinking. Let's acknowledge the work that has been done. Let's, because listen, we've been there. We Have we not all been been in Nico's shoes in this situation? Have you not? Been overlooked? <laughs> not just been overlooked. That, that like Percy has to reflect on the fact that Nico has been so giving of himself in a way that has like so furthered Percy 
and like protected him and provided for him in this moment and also in others like let's not forget that in the last olympian the only reason why percy gets even a little bit as far as he does is because nico basically forces him to go and bathe in the sticks Mm -hmm. because nico did his reading on his own and decided that this was what had to happen like (sighs) one of the coolest moments in the entire series it's so excellent is when the two of them go there yeah they journey together when percy has to finally begin to empathize with nico and actually consider him as like a person with perspectives and like a co-equal rather than just the little kid who he had some obligations to or something like it's just such a Mm. i've been waiting for this moment since they met yeah i have been waiting since the titan's curse for percy to finally see nico as the valuable team player that he is and to give him the respect he deserves and to apologize and here it is that's good stuff. That's good stuff, That's mate. Good stuff We're like going to circle back to this. A lot of this book is going to be about the things that Nico does for Percy and me having feelings yeah. about those things. But um... <laughs> Bob is trying to help them. But of course, it doesn't matter at this point that Bob is helping them because Percy is still dying. Bob can heal Annabeth. Bob cannot yeah. heal Percy. This is a quote. Annabeth took his face in her hands. She kissed him and tried to wipe the dust and sweat from his eyes. This is romance. This is personal. Shakespearean. This is the greatest That's literature. That's literature. Yeah. Mm. That's the It's all just like set in this like dark theatric realm. Yeah. It's suffering. The dust and, and the sweat. If that doesn't give you like the tactile tragedy. sensation of like what that would feel like to like wipe that off of somebody's skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the art that Jake linked in our outline. I'll post this too. It's so good. I think. I think it is time for another reading. We've done so this many, is the final but like, reading. no, this is the last. The text one. is so rich. Like, I don't know. Like, we we kind of have to. Um, all right. <laughs> Lots of curses. Bob said. Percy has done bad things to monsters. Can you fix him? Annabeth pleaded. Like you did with my blindness. Fix Percy. Bob frowned. He picked at the name tag on his uniform like it was a scab. Annabeth tried again. Bob, Yapetus. Bob said. His voice a low rumble. Before Bob, it was Yapetus. The air was absolutely still. Percy felt helpless, barely connected to the world. I like Bob better, Annabeth's voice was surprisingly calm. Which do you like? The Titan regarded her with his pure silver eyes. I do not know anymore. He crouched next to her and studied Percy. Bob's face looked haggard and careworn, as if he'd suddenly felt the weight of all his centuries. I promised, he murmured. Nico asked me to help. I do not think Yapetus or Bob likes breaking promises. He touched Percy's forehead. That is so stinking powerful. Mm. This was really important because there's a version story where Bob doesn't exist and we haven't talked about that enough. Like truly like (laughs) Tartarus could have been its own journey where they're just like fighting monsters and it's epic because it's dark and scary and long and violent and violent. But for this to be like a long and epic reflection on the consequences of your actions and what you owe to semi strangers, like powerful Bob did not have to exist, Mm -hmm. but also like there's an, there's a narrative of this chapter in particular where Bob comes back after Percy apologizes and we don't revisit it. Bob is just like, oh, sure. Perfect. We're done. I've internalized all of this. We're good. Let's move forward. Or like, and like, that's just implicit. None of this is even said. But the fact that we take this extra beat to be like, Percy's apology is not enough. Like Bob does not have to do any of this shit is so important. It's so rich. It's so felt. It's so realistic. It's so like what we should be teaching our children. What we should be teaching (laughs) our children. What makes these books so good? Annabeth says, this has got to be one of my favorite Annabeth lines. Bob, I'm going on with or without you. Will you help? The way that she is about to march into the darkness, carrying the entire weight of her basically dead boyfriend and all she can do, she's like, I'm going on. So that's what she says, ah! I'm going on. She doesn't say I'm going there or I'm heading there because she doesn't know where she's going. She's serving she has... absurdism. She's a queen. I'm sorry, I'm crying. She's Beckett. She's <laughs> Camus. No, not even she's Camus. Camus, you're nothing. Annabeth no, she's ate Beckett, you up. She said, she's um... serving you pure, waiting for Gatto in this moment. She said, I can't go on. I'll go on because there is literally nothing else I can do right now. She said, it's Sartre. It is so them. It's gotten them out of so many situations just to be like, let's just do it. Yes. Let's just, we have to go for it. We have no other I don't no know how many people option. reread, actually, or like read The Plague by Albert Camus during the pandemic because everyone was like, ha ha ha, like, because it's a plague. But um, th- that's what this moment gave me more than anything else. Like, that book was very much the ethos of like these like exhausted people being like, I guess we should just do jobs 
and like you just continue and why i don't know but like you do like what like absolutely you must continue Mm -hmm. (laughs) like do your job this conversation was just had on the chair starring sandra oh (laughs) (laughs) not that you found a way to bring the chair into this Anyway. Uh, which I loved. Don't let the haters stop you. Stream Sandra O. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. Bob does say yes. You know somebody who might be able to help. And who is it? The one good giant who Bob alluded to before. Wow. Oh this my book god. This just keeps Everything on giving. Connects. Us being like, wow. This is the Rick's one good giant? Masterpiece. I think it juxtaposes the labyrinth. I the completely labyrinth. agree with you. It's so cool. Because when they go down there... They change. Yeah. They come out of the labyrinth, different people. We And then the way that, mm, no spoilers, but you know how we're going to get to the freaking end. Like, I, it connects so beautifully. The fourth books yes. in both of the series setting us up. Yeah. yeah. Fourth battle, book energy like, is, is very much a thing. It's all, it's set in a dark place that people aren't supposed to be. Bob even says right there, he's like, this isn't a place for you. You don't survive. That's your fate. You know what I mean? I never wanted to be a half-blood. Luckily, you know? luckily, Percy doesn't believe in fate or psychic visions, but when things fall into place... I have a superposition! Are you going to quote the giant every episode? <laughs> oh if I God. have to. I have a song yes. that I always thought of that I might have recommended. Oh, let's go! That. It's actually for the end of Mark of Athena. It was Writings on the Wall by Sam oh. Smith. That is very oh. much what I think of. You gotta well, listen to that to song playlist. when you're done and tell me what you think. That is technically the end, unfortunately. A good episode is when you're like, I'm so sad that it's done now. But I feel emotionally exhausted. <laughs> Jake, we do have a question. What's good? What's your question? Technically, we have two, but one of them doesn't really apply to these chapters, so we're just going to go with the one. Yeah. The question is, do you believe Persebeth is the greatest love story ever told? Uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm a super fan. I'm here for every part of it. I'm diehard. I'm like Percy with the R.I. when it comes to defending the series, so... Washing <laughs> through no matter what happens to you. It's literally ride or die. It's that's ride beautiful. Die, that's so, that's so excellent. Yeah. Oh, I should really quick, before we're all done oh, here, yeah, I'll show, show us, you guys. Show us the code. Is this the bookmark? This. So with these books, with every single book, I was so obsessed. I was so obsessed with this series. It was my favorite. It, it is. It remains one of my, my favorite thing out here in this 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 real world where the monsters are but i made these bookmarks and the first time i made one of these was when i first read percy jackson like the first series the you know what i mean the original series and i made a bookmark like this that i used throughout the entirety of all five books to take note of everything going on in the book so i could remember it just like your podcast does <laughs> just like you make like staple moments i i would write down things i would memorize them and like even like thoughts on things sort of deal and this I made this bookmark, right? You can't really see it, but you gotta understand, it's here, and it... It folds open. It unfolds. But Whoa. there's... It is... It is not I just one page. we get the ASMR of this paper crackling right now. It's pages of... Oh, wow. Of notes That's that dense. I took on this book <gasps> that goes oh, my God. on forever. And I, I took all these notes... <laughs> <laughs> I took all these notes... Because I was so obsessed. I was so obsessed with this series, with this book, and I wanted to remember every part of it. Like, I could just, like, do it off the back. And and it worked to some extent. I'm very (laughs) able to, like, easily remember everything you guys bring up when you bring it up. But, obviously, I am am human. We all have limited So I made one of these for every single book. I just thought I'd show you guys this because it was, like, this is kind of my biggest proof of how, my physical proof of how much of a, a big fan I am of this series and of what you guys do. We, cool. it has that been so nice. a great, great joy. The joy of my week to have you here, Jake. Yo. I'd love to have you back um, anytime. I'll come back anytime. You guys let me know. Let me know I'm here. <laughs> oh, I guess last thing, do you want to plug? I got nothing to plug. I got, I got okay, nothing sick. to plug. Anything Stay I got anonymous. is bad. It's rotten for people's brains. So <laughs> I'll plug Dune. I'll plug Dune. Stream Dune. another great series. So. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Uh, Of course, of course. Thanks for being here. See y'all next time. Later. Bye, all.